the fastest guy in there. You need something done, he's on it. I hope so. We are really fighting the clock, and every minute counts. Wait. They're all slots? You said this was going to be quick. Well, are you saying that because he's a slot, he can't be fast? I thought in Zootopia, anyone could be anything. Flash, flash, 100-yard dash. Buddy, it's nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. Hey, Flash, want to hear a joke? No! Sure. What do you call a three-humped camel? I don't know. What do you call a three-humped camel? Three-humped camel. Pregnant. Oh, that's good stuff. Hey, good morning, everybody. So good to be with you. Welcome once again to Mountain Park Church. My name is Alan, and uh, glad to have you with us. This morning, for the first time ever, I'm talking about sloths. I'm very excited about this. What's not to love about the sloth? The sloth spends 15 hours a day sleeping. The sloth is upside down 90% of the time. The sloth uh, uh, is, can move fairly decently in the trees, but on ground, they're reported to move at one foot per minute. That, that's how slow they move. It's like one of my kids in the morning. Come on, come on, come on. The facial structure, the skeletal structure of a sloth makes it look like it's smiling almost all the time. It has nothing to do with its emotions or whether it's happy or not. It just always looks like it's smiling. You want to see my sloth imitation? What do you think? What do you think? What's not to love about the sloth? We're in a series that's called Cleaning Out the Garage. And let me explain how that has anything to do with a sloth. Now, what we're talking about with Cleaning Out the Garage is we're looking at, at items in our spiritual life that are buried on a shelf in the back of the garage, that we have many things in our literal garages that we store back there and we forget about them and we just kind of function and we just, we just have a messy garage and we don't do anything about it. But that God wants to purify us of all unrighteousness. And so God wants to clean out the garage, not just all of the blatant stuff, the blatant sins and ways that we make mistakes and stuff that everyone sees and, and is just so obvious. Also, God wants to take care of the stuff buried in the back of the garage. And so what we've been doing is looking at what Christian history has, been refer has referred to as the seven deadly sins. These kind of bubble up from Scripture and a part of Christian history. And so we've landed on these seven deadly sins, and they are, for the most part, 
kind of sneaky sins because they're ones that we can get away with for a while and that can hide in the back of the garage. One of those seven deadly sins is sloth. Is it reasonable then to say that it's a deadly sin to be slow? Does that, does that even sound, sound in the realm of possibility? I mean, yes, it is, it is inefficient at times. It might be frustrating to those around you, but is it really a deadly sin? Is it a sin to not do something? Is it a sin to not call your mom, to not remember an anniversary, to not ask a friend or a coworker about a vacation that they came back from and remember that they were gone and that they came back and then you ask them about it. Is it a sin to just not do anything? Those things are typically in a category of sin. It's called sins of omission. And for me, that's a frustrating category of sins because I make plenty of mistakes on my own. But to have this whole category of things that happen, that just that there's sins simply because I didn't do anything. It's, it's almost like you're better off to just stay in bed that day. If you hadn't shown up, you wouldn't have sinned a sin of omission. But then if you stay in bed, then you're a sloth because you're sleeping 15 hours a day. And then that's a, that's a deadly sin as well. Do you see how it kind of just spins around a little bit? So the question I want to ask you, are there any sloths in the room? Are there any sloths in our garages? Or is this busy, busy Awatuki? And there's no sloths here. We don't have any, we can't relate at all to the whole idea of a sloth concept. Or is there another angle to sloths that maybe even us busy folks can relate to that is actually part of something God wants to do in us? Wow, there's a lot to go after with these silly sloths. Let's go after this together. Would you bow your heads uh, with me? Father, thank you once again that uh, we get to gather here in this place, that, that you meet with us, that we set aside this time, and, and there's a lot bouncing around in our heads, a lot going on, a lot planned for their afternoon, et cetera, a lot of things, but God, you want to just be with us here today, and we ask that you would come. We give you access to our garage. We open up the door. We give you permission to come in and clean out the garage. In your son's name we pray, amen. Let me start by asking you, what, is the most, what are some of the most important things in your life? What do you care about more than anything else? Well, if you could identify five things that you care most about, what would those things be? As you perhaps ponder those in your mind, let me throw out a few questions that might help you identify those things. What would your credit card statements say are the things that you care most about? What does your, your calendar say that you care most about? What do you put your time towards? What does your web browsing history say that you care most about? What is, your, what is your brain going after? What are you pursuing? What are the things that you care most about? You care about a hobby? You care about sports? You care about planning for your future? You care about uh, home repair that's going on? What are, you, what are you just kind of really consumed about? What do you care about right now? Is it your fantasy league team? Is it the Super Bowl? Nobody cares about the Super Bowl. I mean, Patriots, Patriots, Matriots. I mean, it gets, kind of gets boring after a while. But, but are we, are we, do we care about the Super Bowl? Are we interested? Are we, is the Super Bowl, do we know that it's happening? I'm not sure. 
Okay, sort of, yeah, okay, that's kind of the gist, I guess. So, but maybe, maybe you don't care about that. What do you care about? The reason I'm asking that is that the sloth, here's, here's, this is kind of the premise of the whole thing here this morning. The, the history of sloth as a deadly sin goes back to a, the Latin word acedia, which is a word we don't use anymore, and you know, we don't use much in the English language. But the word acedia literally means without care. It literally means, so the whole sloth concept is to just be without care. And this is, this is important. We're going to kind of see how this, how this uh, walks out um, uh, in, in the rest of this journey here. But some of you might hear that and go, without care, and go, well, that, I do like having seasons or moments of life where I can be just without a care in the world. That that might describe what the ideal vacation looks like to have a few days or a week or a couple weeks where you get to go somewhere and be without a care. You're not worried about your schedule. You're not worried about any assignments. You're not worried about getting anything done. You're not worried about figuring anything out, solving any problems. It is a season of uh, being without care, and that is terrific. Great. God supports that. That's very much a part of the design that God has built in for us to have a rest, to have a Sabbath, that we would have one day a week where we take a break. And yes, we're busy, we got all this stuff going on. Take a break, take a rest. We have moments throughout our year where we take a break. There's even evidence in the Old Testament where every seven years, you should take a significant break to rejuvenate and, and, and take care of yourself. But here's what's really important about rest and about Sabbath and about having a few days or weeks or whatever where we, have, where we don't have a care in the world. Here's what's really important about that. We rest so that we can prepare for work. We don't rest to escape work. That's, that's a really important distinction. I have a, a friend when, when, I, when I was in Cincinnati who was in a terrible accident, and as a result of a lawsuit that flowed out of that, he obtained an obscene amount of money. And so he's a young guy and doesn't have to work for the rest of his life. And he can enjoy life however he wants. And so he can travel anywhere he wants. He travels all the time. He takes cruises all the time, multiple cruises throughout the year. And you would think, if you kind of saw his schedule and saw what he got to do, you would think, well, that's the ideal life. That is, he is just living the dream, just being able to, to enjoy and travel, etc. Let me tell you, he is miserable. He's miserable. He goes on so many cruises and does all these, so many trips that they're not even interesting to him anymore. There's no, there's no, there's nothing enjoyable about the experience because we're not supposed to work so that we can rest. We're supposed to rest so that we can work. That there needs to be a purpose. If we're just kind of just staying in rest mode, we will dry up. That God's plan is for us to work, is for us to have meaning and purpose in our work. We, the language we talk about here at Mountain Park is that we want to help you realize your role in God's story. There is one grand, amazing story going on, and you have a role to play in that story at home. You have a role to play at work. You have a role to play in your church. You have a role to play in that story, and God wants you to thrive in that role. The sloth says rest and rest and rest. The, the plan for the sloth is rest and rest and rest and rest and rest and rest. And so those are two very different things. And that's why it's a deadly sin because it just sucks the purpose and meaning 
that God wants for us. There are many places in scriptures that, that talk about the deadly sin of sloth, and it shows up in a, no, a number of different ways, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. What I want to do this morning is look at four verses found in the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. And uh, in these four verses, the whole sloth concept is referred to as a sluggard. That's another English word we don't use very often. But Solomon is the writer of the 26th chapter in the book of Proverbs. If you have your Bible with you, I invite you to turn there. Proverbs chapter 26 is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. Four verses in there where Solomon talks about the deadly sin of being slothful. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 13. He says, a sluggard says there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. That's an interesting verse. Ecologically, it's possible for a lion to be roaming the streets of Jerusalem, just like it is possible for a lion to roam the streets of Phoenix. A number of years ago at the old building, for those of you who were with us in the old building, uh, you remember that there was the, the main entrance were these glass doors that headed south out of the building. And one night I was working late at night. I was the only one there at the church. And it was dark and I was heading out those doors, heading out south. And I was about to open the door when I noticed about 10 feet outside of that door, right in front of me, was a mountain lion lying on the concrete there. Have you ever seen a mountain lion around here? I mean, it's just, I didn't know that they were kind of, they're roaming around in the mountains there, and it was just sitting there. And I thought, this is me, I was new at my job, and I just thought, I probably shouldn't go out there. I figured that out all by myself. I was all by myself. I probably shouldn't head out there. So I found another way to go, etc. It would be a lame excuse for me to spend the next few months saying, I can't work at that church. I can't go back to that church. I can't, you, you can call me if you need any help, but I'm not going into that church because there are lions roaming around in the streets. I actually saw one. There's legitimate. There was one right there, but it would be a lame excuse for me to just say, there's lions roaming around. I can't get involved. The sloth has excuse after excuse after excuse. There's, there's always a reason. The sloth can come up with some reason why uh, he or she is not doing something, not participating in something. I, I can't go back to school because I got this, that, and the other thing. I got timing or whatever. I can't do that at my job. I got expectations. They asked me to do this. I can't, I can't do this because of this, that, and the other thing. I can't get a full-time job right now. I can't deal with that part of my life. I can't address that broken part of my life because of the da 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 I can't commit to marriage. Maybe you're single and you're saying that. I can't commit to marriage. Maybe you're married and you're saying, I can't stay committed in this relationship because of this, 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 and because of my past and because of this person that I'm married to, because of all, we can come up with all these excuses. The sloth has excuse after excuse after excuse. Are you looking at the rest of 2019 and saying, there'll be obstacles, but I'm, I'm gonna be a part of this. I wanna be a part of this. I'm looking forward to what God has for me. Or are you hiding behind excuses? It's, it's, it's so natural to identify excuse and then just hide behind it and say, okay, this is why. 
This is why I can't do this difficult thing that God's asking me to do. A sloth always finds excuses. In the next verse, Solomon writes, as a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. It's just an interesting picture, right? Just, just laying on the bed. Thousands of years ago, this image was created here about being stuffed. You ever, you ever felt like you were just kind of hinged to the bed? You ever felt like you were hinged to the couch? How many of you have a subscription to Netflix or Amazon Prime? Raise your hands. Great. Most of you are honest. How many of you who raised your hands would say that there are moments, seasons, evenings, times when you are a little bit hinged to Netflix or Amazon Prime? Okay. We got a few. Okay. Good, good, good. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. At the risk of um, making you regret being honest, let me, just, um, <laughs> let me just ask a few of you if you would just kind of just invite us into your lives, okay? Just in the safety of this, of this public <laughs> Hello. Hello, ma'am. Hello. Would, would you stand up for me, please, and introduce yourself? What's your name? You'd turn around and show the nice people. There we go. Eileen Burnquin. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So... Um, would you mind, would you, yes, she's awesome. She, she got a little stuck with this here, but would you my mind sharing with us? My second time here, by the way. What, what? This is my second. I know, that's why. <laughs> so glad, and you, you're, you just jumped right up with a big smile on your face. I'm, I'm impressed, totally impressed. Would you mind sharing with us, and this is a no judgment zone here. This is a safety zone here. What would be a show that you like to watch? A few years ago, I watched One Tree Hill. One Tree Hill? Okay, seasons, I don't know what that is. It's a good, good show? Good show. Okay. When you sit down to watch One Tree Hill, on average, and with the honesty in this worship room, what, <laughs> how many shows would you say on average that you would watch when you sit down and watch it? Okay, I'm a teacher. I had the summer off. I'd okay. say six episodes at a time. Six episodes at a time! That's <laughs> highest, highest of the weekend so far. There we go. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Six episodes at a time. Okay, we had another one over here. I think you raised your hand, didn't you? Come on, come on, come on. Would you? He knows me, so he's willing to yeah, yeah, use me. It's not your first time, right? Okay, <laughs> no. so, so what show would fit into your category of this one we were kind of get caught up in um, or enjoy? Yeah, a couple years ago I did Lost pretty much Lost. all the way through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah, okay. one seating. Okay. And when, when you would, no. <laughs> so when you would sit down, how many did you, would you watch? Like, I, I would say in general, it's probably two at a time, but then there were definitely some like you. More yes. than that. Okay. Yes. Okay. We got, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Give him a hand. Give him a hand right there. So fascinating. At the 8 a.m. service, they all said one, one episode. They were lying, I know, but they were all saying 
one, one episode. So thank you for your honesty here. Because that's what it's designed to do. That's what Netflix is designed to do. I don't know why economically they want you to spend a, an incredible amount of time doing it. I don't understand the macroeconomics of that. But they say, here's a season of this show, and here's all 22 episodes. You don't have to wait for anything. And, and in a, a couple of years ago, we've talked about this before, they, they uh, started the autoplay where at the end of the show, you don't, you don't even have time to think about what you're going to do next or whether you need to go to the bathroom. You don't have to do anything and just boom, it all of a sudden starts up again and they skip the intro and they skip the last time on because they know, oh, this is a guy we got caught who did this and so they, they keep it going. It's amazing what they, what they do with that. And then I can't stop it because I, I don't want to offend the creators of the show. And so, so then you got to keep, oh, just one more, just one more and you keep this going. And it's just, it's just this, this perpetual uh, uh, deal. Are you, let's be honest about, you know, what this, this verse is saying about being hinged to the couch. Are you enjoying a well-deserved break? It's your summer. You worked hard all year. And then we, it's not a sin to watch six shows. It's not. It can, it can be, it, this can be a part of your rejuvenation and rest. But are you enjoying a well-deserved break or are you hinged to your couch? And I think it's important to ask that, just how many hours are we spending? What, what's going on in my mind that leads me to that? What's happening in my garage that makes me say, in my spiritual garage that makes me say, I'm just gonna check out for a long period of time here. This is important stuff that your creator cares very much about you and these decisions that we're making. Let me move on to the, to the next verse. And the next one actually is my favorite of the four that we're looking at here this morning. He writes, a sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Oh, I'm so hungry, so hungry. So... That's a lot of work. I mean, it's an amazing picture. Too lazy to bring it up to your mouth. That a, a sloth is someone who understands there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of work to be done. I just don't want to do it. That's a, that's a long way. A sloth understands, okay, I got the weekend, and I got this time, I got these chunks of hours to get stuff done here on Saturday or Sunday afternoon or whatever it is, I got stuff to prepare for the next week and I got, I got schoolwork to do and I got, a, I got exams coming up. I got expectations for me at work and it would be great to get ahead on some of these things or I got stuff where I need to take care of the car, I need to take care of the house and there's that thing in the corner of the backyard that I haven't taken care of yet and, and I, just, I, I just don't wanna do it. I just, I understand, I got my hand, it's right in front of me but I just, I just don't wanna do it. This verse even uses the word, he's too lazy. That a sloth is lazy. They're a slave to comfort. That just says, I just want to take the easy way out. A couple things that I think this, a couple ways that this connects with our, with our everyday life. One is, is that a, a grand opposition to Christianity right now is the preposterous idea that there is absolute truth. A grand opposition to Christianity is the Christian claim that there is truth. There is absolute truth. There is one God who has told and is telling one epic story, and that story has a focal point 
of Jesus of Nazareth. And that it is only through that Jesus that we can have a reconciled relationship with God. And our society, many in our society have a hard time with the absoluteness of that because it's a season of celebrating the beauty of open-mindedness and tolerance. And tolerance is packaged typically as being something very loving, that it's the tolerant who are loving. But I would say it's the tolerant who are lazy. And here's what I mean by that. It's, it, tolerance says it doesn't matter what you think or someone else thinks or what you do or who's to tell what, what this person should do or what, because there's no absolutes and all that. It's every, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to work out. Everything's fine. It's much easier to be tolerant than it is to actually investigate the claims of Christianity or other faiths and say, after investigating all this stuff, to say, this is the truth. This is the story. It's much easier to be tolerant than it is to land somewhere and then surrender to those truths, even in areas and at times that we don't want to. To just say, I, I surrender to the, to the God who provided scripture, the, the, the scripture to us. G.K. Chesterton was someone who had tremendous influence on C.S. Lewis and helped him understand and, and uh, become a follower of Christ. And at one point, talking about open-mindedness, 100 years ago, G.K. Chesterton said this. He said, the object of opening the mind as in opening the mouth is to eventually close back down on something solid. See, that, see that's, not, that's, not, that's not the laziness of tolerance. That is the effort of opening our mind and saying, I'm open to what... To what, to what the world has to offer, to what God has to offer, but then I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing this for the purpose of landing somewhere. And that's not a weak thing to do. That's the purpose of opening our, our, our minds is to land on something solid. As I said, sloth is about, is about being without care. And one other thing that I, that I see from this verse here is... Uh, just this picture, this idea of, of having a hard time bringing the hand up to the, to the mouth, I think is connected with, um, with the reality and the pain of depression, which is a part of uh, such a painful part of our human experience. And it is very much connected to the slothful uh, uh, peace. It's just that idea of, I, I, of, being, of being trapped into a season of life where we just feel like I, I, I don't care about my health. I don't care about my relationships. I don't care about my future. And so it is a very, very difficult place to be in. And just like, a, like an, an addict who is trapped with that addiction is in desperate need of help, is trapped by that, by that awful thing, in the same way, someone who is depressed is trapped by acedia, is trapped by this notion of not caring about their own future, not caring about themselves, not caring about people who care about them. And they are desperately in need of help, whether it's us as friends or us as a church or uh, the uh, medical opportunities, whatever that might be, is to help somebody who's, who's trapped in that, that deadly part of this sin to experience freedom. 
I think that's a very clear way of saying this, this, uh, this sloth concept is not just about those people that it hits home for many of us. In the last verse there that I want to look at today, verse 16, Solomon writes, a sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. So he kind of takes a little different turn here. But he says that, that a slothful person, a sluggard, is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. Have you ever met someone who is so wise, so comfortable in their own knowledge that they just don't need to listen to anybody else? They're so comfortable that, that they don't feel the need to hear the seven around them and the wisdom of those around them. It's just sometimes we can be too comfortable. Comfort is good, and we find it throughout Scripture. Isaiah 40 is, uh, is part of the story in the Old Testament where they're, um, they're in exile, and it's a terrible, awful, scary time for the people of Israel. And God speaks to them at the beginning of Isaiah 40. God speaks through Isaiah and says, comfort, comfort my people. When we are wounded, when we are hurt, when we are depressed, whatever's going on, we have a loving God who wants to bring comfort. The Holy Spirit himself is referred to as the comforter. Comfort is good. But then there comes a time when we might get overly comfortable. And what I see here in this, in this verse is someone who's just so wise, so comfortable, they just don't need to hear from anybody else. And I think when we get into that zone, sometimes God just, just steps in and says, you know what, don't get too comfortable. I think God stirs us up sometimes when we're too comfortable. Some of you know this story, but in 2004, I was working in Cincinnati uh, as a as a as an associate pastor, I loved my job. I had a great job at a great church. And we were preparing for another season of life in that area. And we had our first two kids, and they were very small. And we bought a house in this new area as a, uh, as a, in around the area of Cincinnati. And so uh, it was a new area with a beautiful little cul-de-sac. And we were one of the first homes uh, being built in there. We didn't build a home, but, but uh, we got it when it was 80% done. So we got to choose colors for the inside and all that kind of stuff. It was our future home. We're going to raise our kids and take them to the schools here in this area. That was in the middle of 2004. My in-laws thought it was such a great idea that they bought a home in that same cul-de-sac. The same exact little cul-de-sac circle. And your first response might be, but no, it was great because we have a great relationship with, uh, with my in-laws and it was, it was a great setup because our little boys could actually walk around the cul-de-sac and go to grandma and grandpa's house all by themselves and we were set up for life. This was utopia. You're talking about Zootopia. This was utopia. This is, we had created the, the, the perfect environment. Everything was so great. They moved in in February of 2005 and then it was in June of 2005 that I felt like God was saying, Alan, I want you to, 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 to trust me and be a lead pastor somewhere. And I'm going, 
no, no, we just got set up. We just got set up. And then we started, Tammy and I started having conversations with this crazy church way out in Phoenix, Arizona, way out in the desert, never been to Arizona before, this crazy church called Foothills Baptist. No, just kidding. It was this, it was this, it was this church. It was this church. But we had started having conversations, and, I, and I, just, I just felt like the whole story, it was, the whole thing was kind of unraveling this perfect life that we had set up for ourselves, and I felt like God was saying, now that you have everything set up perfectly, I want to know if you'll trust me by letting it all go. It was one of the most profound and difficult seasons of my life. Everything had just assembled. God said, will you let it go? Sometimes God loves us so much, he wants to remove the comfort we crave in order to give us the joy and the purpose that we need. As I said, sloth is, is this whole idea of being without care, of just kind of separating ourselves from caring about this stuff. Backing up to some of the other deadly sins we've been looking at, the greedy look at the messy garage and say, I want more. The prideful look at the messy garage and say, I have more. The angry that we looked at last week, they look at the messy garage and they're frustrated about something. I can't find it, I can't, you know, I can't find anything. The slothful look at the messy garage and they say, I don't care. And that can be the scariest one of all. One of the most painful, heart-wrenching phrases in the English language is, I don't care. It's way better to have somebody yell at you to have somebody be angry at you, stay engaged, look at you, talk to you, and engage with you, that's way better than somebody just saying, I don't care. So here we have a God who loves us immeasurably and has a role for you to play, a significant role in your home, at your work, in your church, as a disciple, and it breaks his heart when we say to that God, I don't care. I don't care. That is heart-wrenching for our creator. And that's why this is a deadly, deadly sin. I asked you at the beginning, I said, what do you care about? What do you care most about? If you could identify five things, what do you care about? What does your credit card statement and your calendar and your web browsing history say that you care about? Whatever may have popped in your head, are those things important to the one who made you? Because here, here's the reality about slothfulness. A sloth, it's not that a sloth doesn't care about anything. A sloth, in terms of a deadly sin, a sloth cares about the wrong things. Here in our culture, you can be a workaholic and still be a sloth in terms of what God is calling you to do. 
It's very possible to be a workaholic and say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to work these number of hours a day, I'm going to fill all of this. And in doing so, we're actually not allowing time for the stuff that God really wants us to work on. We can spend all our time and energy and focus on minor things of life and miss out on the major things of life. You can be you can be a workaholic and still be a sloth. I know there have been many many times when my kids have come up to me and they 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 wanted me to spend time with them, particularly when they were younger, and they wanted me to play with them or read a book with them. And many, many times, I got to do that many, many times with them. But I painfully remember other times where I would just say, I don't have the time or the energy to do that. I I can't do that right now. And then I'll go do something else for two hours. I'll stay up till midnight doing other things that are so important. We can be busy and still be sloths. The remedy for slothfulness is very clear and simple. It's recognizing that you have a role to play in God's story and caring very deeply about that role. Instead of saying, I don't care to the one who created us, to say, I care a lot. God, help help me connect with this. On your way in, hopefully you received one of these, uh, these little cards. And this is, I want to wrap up with just an opportunity for you to do something about some area in your life that may be currently slothful. On the top of that, that card is, some, is opportunity for information, your name and contact info if you'd like to, to do that. And then there's four anti-sloth opportunities on the rest of that card there. Just real briefly, the first one, I'm ready to connect with others. We were not designed to do this journey alone. We need each other. And it could be that you're, that you're just experiencing church in your, in your seat, but there's so much more than that for you to connect with others in groups and classes and, other, and ways to get to know people who are just as great as you are. The second one on here is I'm ready to serve others. There are many ways here at the church where you can jump in and be a part of what's going on here and check out what does it mean to serve in children's ministry or student ministry or as a, uh, uh, in the uh, hospitality or to co-lead a group with somebody or whatever. You could challenge your way into an incredible experience. A third one there, I'm ready to grow in some area of your life. Maybe, maybe this is a time for you to do something in, in terms of I'm ready to grow in my marriage. I've realized I've kind of hit a ceiling in terms of what I'm able to figure out on my own. Maybe I could get some wisdom and some help from some other people who've done some of this before and could pour into our, our lives. Maybe you're ready to grow in your role as a parent, as David was talking about with the uh, upcoming uh, Parent Matters stuff. Maybe you're ready to grow in, as a disciple. Maybe you're ready to grow in terms of understanding the Bible, reading the Bible. Maybe you want to grow in some area. Go ahead and fill that out, and we will respond to you and see if we can help. And then the last one there is I'm ready to whatever, just kind of an open blank. Maybe there's something we haven't thought of where you say, I'm ready. I want to do something and not be a sloth spiritually. Just let us know. We, we will contact you. You leave your email there. We will email you back and see if there's a way we can help out with this. We want to help out with this. That's what we're here for as a church. 
We, if you're new, we are a very imperfect church. If you've been here for a while, you know we're a very imperfect church. But we care very deeply about helping you if you want to take a next step. Because we care about you. We care very much about, about each and every one who is interested to realize what your role is in God's story. We want to help with that. At the end, if you choose to fill this out, there'll be buckets on the way out. If you drop them in there, we will contact you and see what this looks like going forward. But just to give you an opportunity to fill it out and to think and be inspired a little bit more, the band is going to come up and lead us in one final song. And it has a provocative question that says, it says, are you ready to do something? If it's not you, then who's going to do something? Who's going to get some stuff done? And I, I want us to be a part of that. Would you bow your heads with me? Father in heaven, we are thankful that uh, you don't just watch us and enjoy us. God, you invite us into your story. That you have a role for us to play. So God, help us to, to, to not say I don't care, but excitedly say I'm ready. God, how do you want to use me? At home, at work, here in the church, here in the community, whatever, God. How do you want to use me? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.